0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Knock and Light podcast presented by Student Union Sports. I hate to say it, but we are a couple weeks away from being, being done with football for, what is it? Eight months, maybe, something like that. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it's kind of sad. This has been a great year, um, and you know, with that, a lot of fun to to be able to sit down and watch some football, but I'm excited. We've got a great episode for you today. Patty Takes, Patrick Norton comes back on the podcast yet again, uh, and we get to talk a lot about football, talk about some of the decisions that were made, what our thoughts were. We get into the coaching hires. We get into uh, some Matthew Stafford trade rumors. All in all, great episode. Let's get to it. We now welcome on a recurring guest, friend of the program, and fellow member uh, of of fans of teams who's their team. I can't talk, but seven seed uh, fandoms, right? Uh, Bears were seven seeds, Colts were seven seeds. That sounded so much better in my head, but I mean, we're just going to keep the train rolling. Um, It's Patty Takes. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a blast.
0: Yeah, this is always always a good time uh, to to get to talk some football. And before we get into the conference championship games, I mean, let's just step back and look at you know the whole beginning to end. Have not missed a game. Uh, every game has been played this season. Um, and amidst all the coronavirus the pandemic, um, that's very cool that we're going into the Super Bowl not having missed a single game. You know, some have been postponed, whatever, all that stuff. But we're coming into it um, with. What would it be? I know it's 256 in the regular season plus whatever in the playoffs. Yeah. we have not missed a game. Uh, that's very cool to me.
1: Yeah, I think we're having a we're having a really fun time. Thank God for football.
0: Yeah.
1: As as silly as that sounds, but with everything going around right now, uh, just it is awesome that we can plop our asses right on the couch on Sunday and stay there until Monday.
0: Yeah, it it truly is. wonderful thing and on top of that you know it was announced i think earlier today that 7500 tickets are are going to be uh going to frontline workers for the super bowl vaccinated frontline workers um so this is i mean you know it's kind of cool to see how far we've come just from the pandemic and and as the seasons progress you know to watch both of both of those things come together very cool um but now we know who's going to play in these games we which do. is also very exciting uh, it's been a long time coming um i feel like both teams if you had to pick at the beginning of the season and said all right given everything we know what makes sense i feel like chiefs and bucks probably is a pretty within popular the realm pick. Of
1: possibility. yeah yeah
0: yeah even, even even going into when they played each other in tampa bay uh, i think they said on the broadcast tony romo hinted at you know this could be a super bowl uh rematch and and he was he was spot on with that um
1: yeah and it was a game i believe that was the week uh that uh tyree kill had an astronomical number of receiving yards in the first quarter over 200 Mm -hmm. Uh, and and here we are uh hill came close to that today in a full game and i think this is one of those games and i and honestly i love it when the teams have played each other because they have tasked that 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 getting to know each other stage for the, mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. Now this is just a, a battle of scheme and execution. This is not got to feel it out for the first quarter. This is dive right in and get to it. Whoever's Whoever's game plan going in and whoever makes the better adjustments as it goes on, it's their game to win. And that sounds like a simplistic way to look at something, but... But you see that far too often where the first quarter is so slow because these teams are far too hesitant to really uh, to, to dive in, to really get at it and, and be ambitious. Uh, but now we have that opportunity uh, in two weeks with the Bucs and Chiefs. I'm pumped. I, I yeah. really am pumped.
0: Yeah, no. And this is I mean, this is a fun matchup any way you shape it. Bucks Chiefs you know, the, the goat versus, yeah. you know, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, who is, who's well on his way to trying to match these records. They're two and two and they're head to head, which just, add, yeah. I mean, there's so many, like there's match so many storylines. Yeah. Yeah. And what might be, you know, unless Tom Brady goes back next year and Patrick Mahomes goes back next year, probably their last meeting. This is, yeah. this is the, the rubber match for these guys and
1: played each other think. in the division and, or because the divisions aligned this mm-hmm. year, but, uh, and I, I, genuinely love all of the jokes that are going around that tom brady has now won as many nfc championships as drew Brees and as uh aaron Rodgers, and then they'll throw in rex grossman with that group just to give us a good old laugh
0: yeah no that's 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 definitely something but let's talk about how these teams got here so first game first game of the day uh packers bucks bucks won 31 26 as we know um I mean, to be honest, for everything you know that we've heard from our friend Big Hoppa, um, you know he was he was talking about this game going into it. I thought Rodgers played a very good game overall. Like this was this was one of you know a game where he had to step up and deliver, and I thought he did that. Um, threw for three hundred forty six yards, three touchdowns. He did have one pick and was sacked five times, but as far as everything goes, I mean that that pass to um, a Marquez Valdez Scantling was perfect i mean it was just a beautiful play not to mention i had him in dfs that really helped too um but i i mean every part of this packers like i thought they played really well maybe the run game let them down but this was this was a very uh very strong game from the green bay packers
1: yeah it uh rogers does what rogers does best and that is or rogers did what he does best and that was uh he contours his his abilities to best fit how to propel his team to, to a victory. And while it didn't happen tonight, that's mostly in part to defensive failures and facing Tom Brady. And, mm-hmm. and we can get into the debate of today or in, in this day and age, 2021 this year alone, who's going to be the better quarterback because Rogers is your MVP. But at the same time, Tom Brady just knows this so well. They they Mm -hmm. kept flashing the stats up on the screen. This was Brady's 14th conference championship appearance, which is double uh, the next closest to him, which I believe was Joe Montana at seven, Mm -hmm. um, and was more than double anybody active. Uh, This was Rogers' fifth uh, uh, conference championship appearance. So when you have that experience going up that experience or going up against that experience, it's, it's a clever mind game of a, of a, of a, of a, matchup. Uh, but Rodgers did everything that he could. I mean, his completion percentage was high. And a lot of that is because of the short passes, but it opened up the 50 yard touchdown to Marquez Valdez Scantling, And it opened up the, the bigger plays downfield. Uh, and it put his team in a position to win late, uh, but I'll let you get to the rest of it.
0: Yeah. um, I I do want to say though, you know, and, and I've, I've, you know, I've learned, like I said, I'm, I'm just sitting back. I'm enjoying the show. Um, You know, Tom Brady did not have a great second half, but the reason why they had the lead and the reason they won the game was because he had a fantastic first half. I thought he was doing, he was just slicing the Packers' defense apart. There were even plays, you know, he had one, one like, 20-yard pass up the seam that bounced off Tyler Johnson's hands. But, like, he was cooking them every which way, um, and, and it, was, it was fantastic to watch. I thought he had a great game, especially that first half.
1: I was watching part of the first game with my brother, and we turned to each other on that first – I think it was his first pass of the game was like a semi-wheel route from Mike Evans uh, down the left and he just perfectly lays it right in the bread basket. Just a beautiful throw. And it's like, man, he is 43 years old mm-hmm. and still with the ability to put that ball where only his receiver can get it. And then you saw it later to end the first half with the Scotty Miller touchdown as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think to be completely honest with you, really what let down the Packers the most was coaching decisions, yeah. right? And, and maybe maybe that defensive call was somebody out of position, but you got to think you're playing prevent defense here, especially if they're going to snap the ball. You can't get off a play in six seconds. Like let, no. let Tom Brady throw it into the ground. Let him bring the field goal unit out and try a deep kick, which by the way, Ryan Suckup was not going to make. That was like a 50, 55 something yarder. He, you know, the, his, his furthest kick before, I think he had a forty-six. Was a 37-yarder. You know, he's not a distance kicker. He's a guy that you know, you give him a favorable spot, he'll put the ball yeah. through the uprights. So that was the big issue. Um, and then obviously the the play of the game that I think we're going to have a little lengthy discussion about because we are, um, as we talked about before, on opposite sides of the opinion. Um, but it was that fourth down call. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with this. This is where I'm gonna start. I'm gonna lay out my piece, and then I'll let you have your rebuttal, um, and then we'll and then we'll go from there. But I'm gonna say first things first. The, the thing I'm most mad about is three straight pass plays on a, on a goal to go situation. First off, you know, not only does that put you in a spot, if you do go for it, that's your fourth straight passing play, but you're leaving time on the clock for the go with all three of his timeouts, you know, had they scored on that fourth and goal, they had all three timeouts, including the two minute warning. Uh, and, and they would need to drive down the field, which Tom Brady is, as we know, is more than capable of doing in his career. Um, but that's, that's my first issue. That, that may have been my only issue. I like the field goal call. I know it's a hot take, but here we go. I'm going to go into it. Like I said, four straight passing play and eight yards to gain with eight yards. It's a very short field. Had Aaron Rodgers run the ball on that third down and gotten three, four yards. I'm all for it. Cause you're trying to get inside the five. We've seen Devontae Adams cook Carlton Davis all game. I mean, off the line, even on that missed touchdown pass, it was a disgusting route. Like he had ridiculous amount of space. But eight yards, as we saw, is too deep, especially since they tried to keep going to the end zone. If it, if it, you know, uh, if it fails, if you do not convert, that means the Bucks, uh, the Packers would take over, the Bucks would take over on the eight-yard line, um, and you would need a stop. And let's say you get that stop, then you have to come back and do it all again and get the two-point conversion to, to score. Um, and as I said before, if you score the touchdown and get the two-point conversion, it's Tom Brady three timeouts plus the two-minute warning uh, to, to drive down the field and win the game probably you know something that you know he's done uh, quite a bit in his career but kicking a field goal here's why it makes sense to me first off guaranteed points you take it from an eight-point game to a five-point game that means if you get a stop Aaron Rodgers let's say it was a three and out um, Aaron Rodgers would have had the ball with the timeout because of the two-minute warning and about a minute 40 left to score a touchdown and a touchdown seals the game I I think and this is my opinion this is the this is the crux of it it would be easier for Aaron Rodgers to go down, you know, 65 yards and score a touchdown in a minute 40 than it would for him to convert on a fourth and eight on the fourth straight passing play uh, to, to have a chance to tie the game, right? And now this is, this is why I trust the defense. In the second half, take away Aaron Jones' fumble, which led to a Bucks touchdown, one play, eight-yard drive to Cameron Bright. They had three points three interceptions were thrown by Tom Brady and 93 yards of total offense. And you may be saying, well, that's because they're only playing conservative. uh, You know, if they had to drive the ball down the field, they could, but what would they be doing with a, with a five point lead? They're still playing conservative, trying to run clock, which puts them in a position where they had played a very good second half, 93 yards of total offense, as many points as picks. Uh, So basically what you're saying is, you know, and they, they could have, you know, they, they allowed a first down and they still had a chance. And that third down where it was a pass interference call on Tyler Johnson, by the way, Alan Lazard did not get any calls this game. Um, there were two of them that were, yeah. you know, like game, game, game changing plays, yeah. you know, uh, just as bad as the one they called on Tyler Johnson didn't go his way. But anyways, that is my piece. I think that with the way the defense was playing, Matt LaFleur said, look, let's kick a field goal, get points on the board and put ourselves in a position for the MVP of this season to get a, a, longer field and not a you know one play make or break situation to score a touchdown and actually win the game instead of just tying.
1: all right i i understand where you're coming from but i think you're in the nicest way possible i think you're overthinking this and partially that's because you you disproved your theory with one part and i have another thing to add onto this as well uh, you, you disprove your own theory with this. When saying that Tom Brady is capable of driving down the field and getting a field goal if need be, how does that not also mean that Tom Brady, and we saw it, is more than capable of picking up a first down in, a, in the same situation? Uh,
0: I would say I would say because you're you're calling a very different game if you're just pass trying to get a first heavy down versus to get Yeah, compared to getting a first down, because right. that was for the, for the most of the second half, they were just playing to protect the lead. They were not playing to run up the score and they were not playing aggressively, in my opinion, uh, in, in their play calling. And they've done a good job of stopping the run. So it was all those signs were pointing to, you know, that, that's the kind of what the Bucks were going to be rolling out with on that final drive.
1: All right. I take that point and I'm going to raise it now here. What's to say, looking back one week all you have to go back is one week Mm -hmm. the Chiefs played the Browns you what is different between taking the points and making it a five-point game than what Kevin Stefanski did last week with actually more time on the clock almost double the amount of time on the clock just over four minutes left and punting it well down
0: five Uh, to that I would say it is different because I was not in favor of that or no actually I'm sorry was that because it was like a fourth and eight right it's a fourth and eight. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mind that play because if you don't convert and in all likelihood, you're putting the game on Baker Mayfield, which, you know, for, for as good as, you know, there are people think he is. That's the a offense tough spot. Does for him not to be rely in.
1: around him. Yep. Yeah. All they,
0: right. they're, 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 that's a tough position to put him in. Also, if you turn that ball over, the chiefs are immediately in field goal range. So they're punching the ball saying Chad Henney beat us. Chad Henny did beat them, but if like, I'm, you know, out of all the things that you would expect Chad Henney to do run for 12 yards on a third and 13, it's not one of them uh, in addition to that fourth and one conversion. So it took improbable plays for that to, to not make sense. I was actually in favor of that because it's, you, you've got to pick your spots. You got to think, I trust my defense more to get a stop against a backup quarterback,
1: so yeah, so you're on the same side with both. There's consistency there. You're fine with punting it and you're fine yeah. with taking the field goal. That's the mm-hmm. exact same situation because in both instances, you're trusting your defense to get you the ball back and give you the opportunity to score. Cleveland, and, and this is 100% revisionist history for a lot of people. Uh, and, and I and I can't speak for a lot of people and it's not like I tweeted this or wrote this. Actually, I, I, I may have then, but I, I wrote it today that, I, I tweeted this the second that they kicked the field goal. Green Bay is not getting the ball back. Mm. Th- that's just there. There's that certain element that I see that is you. You're playing to win or you're playing not to lose. There's a difference between those. You've probably heard that a million times. It's like this old adage in football, and that is quintessential. Trying you, you're playing not to lose. You're not playing to win the game. You're not in in the playoffs. This is not a time to curl up and try and roll back your offense. You have to let it all flourish. And this was a time to be aggressive and get and 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 make make the best effort you possibly could to go down trying. So, uh, and, so and, and certainly, I think if the let's say the Packers get the ball and Roger scores. Matt Lafleur is hailed as this grand hero in Green Bay forever, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm with you with that. There is certainly a de- there's certainly a debate to to both sides here, and I love your points, but I I'm sticking with my guns here and saying, if I'm in that situation, I just don't I don't get how you can put it in Tom Brady's hands and not trust him to get a to get a first down, especially. Also, I'm not sure if you remember this part of the whole thing. The kick returner slid down two seconds before the two-minute warning, yeah. which was
0: boneheaded to me. Yeah.
1: I, like, I don't understand the, the gamesmanship there. But
0: And I don't know why. I also don't know why they didn't kick it out of the back of the end zone because yeah. you want to conserve that time. Like, they kicked it in a spot where you would have to return it. And so, yeah, a lot of confusing things all around. But I will say, to your point, you said playing to win. But let's say they score that touchdown. Let's say somehow they convert that two-point conversion. The narrative is a tie game. Yeah. It is a tie. game. They're not even going to win that. So if the, if, if St. Brown catches that um, that touchdown or the two point conversion on the previous touchdown drive, and it's a six point game, I am a hundred percent for going for it. It is an idiotic move to kick a field goal, to go from six to three, but the difference between eight to five, because that's really the main point is that if that, if that play guaranteed that they went up and won the game, a million times out of a million, I am trusting Aaron Rodgers. But either way, either way, however you shake it out, you're you're having to trust your defense, however, however yeah. it looks. So I would say, why not kick a field goal, take the points, trust the defense, and then have a shot to win the game instead of putting your quarterback in a fourth and goal from the eight-yard line on your fourth straight passing play for a chance to tie the game, right? So they they essentially gave up 17 yards of field position to guarantee three points instead of getting the chance of six or maybe eight because even if they convert, not a guarantee they score and you're stuck in the same situation of okay you have to you have to get Tom Brady to give up the ball. So all in all it was it was it was a flawed situation because you were basically banking on Tom Brady not to win you the game or not to yeah. or not, not to do what Tom Brady has done for all of his like there's a reason he's in 14 yep. out of 21 uh, conference championship games is because he's gotten it done. You know, yeah. and so I think that's for me what it comes down to is that it, they were saying, "Look, if if we do this, we want to have a shot to to win the game and not just tie."
1: I'd like to add this in there. I think part of it is the shock value, where if this is Jim Caldwell or if this is Chuck Pagano as your head coach, not to you know ring true to home for you. Both of them, well, both of us, both yeah. of those guys coming to mind is very <laughs> unfortunate. I'm yeah. very sorry, uh, or John Fox, or these these less. Metric motivated core uh, coaches um, and you have the polar opposite with that now with Frank Reich. So kudos to you. At least, At least you're yeah, on the right yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
0: can, I can take that. Um,
1: it was so surprising coming from LaFleur because nothing that we've seen from him so far has been this um, has, ha, has, has shown a lack of aggression I I was just surprised with the lack of aggression from LaFleur. And I think that makes us automatically question it. Um, We're we're, we're asking ourselves a lot now uh, because we've all seen the movie Moneyball and a lot of us have seen Draft Day and we love the aggression of sports, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's mental aggression or physically uh, or just physical aggression as well. Uh, We're asking ourselves, uh, and it used to be what would Bill Belichick do and a lot of us still do, but we're asking ourselves, what would Sean McVay do? Uh, and that's because a lot of these coaches and you can throw in people who have been failures. You can throw in Doug Peterson, who just left the Eagles. You can throw in Matt Nagy, who's on his way out of Chicago soon. Uh, and a few other guys who just, it hasn't worked out yet, but they're all cut from the same cloth. And that's mm-hmm. trying to run that, that spread offense, that, that McVay runs that uh, you can throw any quarterback into and it's going to work. And, and, Meanwhile, you look at a situation where Matt LaFleur has uh, has Aaron Rodgers to run his offense, and he, and he didn't trust him to get eight yards. And that, mm. to me, is just so shocking that I that, – uh, that is why I, I don't even know if I've completely processed that decision yet. So may, maybe if you ask me tomorrow, I'll have a different opinion on it, and I'll be yeah. more in line with what you're thinking – but i think just with how that game ended and how exciting it was the fact that rogers didn't even have a chance to get the ball it's one thing if brady gets four first downs to ice the game it's another if he just needed 10 yards yeah and that that to me was just so shocking and so disappointing for this game to end
0: and and part of it was really even the first few drives the the packers just got killed on third down yeah like they they i think they had three or four third down conversions on the first drive alone that led to a touchdown, um, including, you know, some, just some great throws from Tom Brady. But I think ultimately when you take away, when you strip away all the added stuff to it, I think the decision comes down to this. Uh, there, there are people on one side who believe you, you go for it. You keep your MVP quarterback on the field. Um, and the likelihood of him converting, uh, a touchdown and a two point conversion is higher than the likelihood of Tom Brady, not getting a first down. Right? And so you can take all the data you want to, but that's, I think that's really what it boils down to. And there's no stat in the world that is going to prove one side right or one side wrong. All we have yep. is what happened uh, yep. and that the Bucks won the game. And so it, I, I think it's, for me, it's easy to get caught up in the idea of like, oh, well, this works, so it must have been right. I mean, you look back to the, to the Colts game, playing the Bills, right? Like people are going to say going forward on fourth and goal at the four, um, was a mistake they should have kicked the field goal especially because they lost sure. by three but it's easy to sit back and, and look and i and Revision i'm not saying is that, history yeah sure. and i'm not saying that's what you're doing and, and yeah you know, because no no, no. I, of I
1: understand there are a lot of people that are doing that i don't yeah. think that i'm one of them if i am please call me out i don't think mm-hmm. you are calling me out though uh no, mm-hmm. no I, I i'm right there with you in, in that regard uh where i here's another way to look at it it all boils down to one play sure but here's the other part of it and that is you, if you we, – we're not in this situation if Tampa Bay doesn't let them back into the game, if Tom Brady mm-hmm. doesn't throw it three interceptions. Yeah. Uh, Matt LaFleur does not have this opportunity or have this decision to make if he's down 17 like he was earlier instead of down eight if it's yeah. a one-possession game. And we're not in this situation if Equinemius St. Brown catches the two-point conversion. So there were a lot of factors to led that led to this Uh, and football is a heat of the moment decision. And it's probably a decision that will haunt Packers fans and will nag Matt LaFleur, but he went with his gut and there's a certain aspect of respect for that, but still just that, that awe and shock value to me, that that was the moment in time when he decided to, to stray away from his somewhat aggressive nature, so yeah,
0: and and I'll say one more thing, and then we'll move on and talk about yeah. the Chiefs Bills game. Uh, I talked about this with Luke last week. We were going through some of these questionable coaching decisions, and I said uh, one of my main points was that I just want you to be consistent, stick yeah. with what got you there, right? And and it's even tough in this situation because I think you know as as the factors that I laid out, I think this was a very unique spot right? Like this isn't as simple as, you know, like a fourth and four from the 40 in the, in the second quarter of the game, right? Like it's it's different based on even yard
1: line in goal to go situation. You, you mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. If, if Rogers had taken off and whether he had scored or whether he had just gotten a few more yards on the player prior
0: changes, everything
1: it absolutely does. Mm -hmm. Fourth and goal from the three from the four is much different than from the eight yard line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. It's, you're it's,
0: absolutely right. I, I, I don't even want to say that. And I, I think you're right that Matt LaFleur has been aggressive, but I don't even know if this was, you know, this was also a way of being aggressive, I think, and in, in how you look at it. Um, but it's, it's such a difficult thing. And there's never going to be a right answer because yeah. there's not a stat that that is going to justify either side. It comes down to one side thought and Matt LaFleur thought that it was easier to, to stop Tom Brady from getting a first down. Than it was for uh, the the Packers to get a touchdown and a two point conversion from the eight. Uh, but it'll be an ongoing conversation. This is just the first of many. I'm sure
1: everybody yeah. will have. I'm
0: sure there are people recording podcasts right now talking about the very same thing. So this is this is far from over. But let's talk about this Chiefs Bills game. And first thing, and it's going to sound like I'm I'm on the different uh, I'm taking a different stance and I'm not being consistent. But I promise I am. Uh, my biggest thing is. I, I hated that Sean McDermott elected to kick field goals in the situation at both times. In the you're situation, the Chiefs, uh, you got, yeah, yeah you, you, that's, yeah. They pulled up a stat. The Chiefs have not punted in the playoffs since the first half of the Super Bowl, which means they played nearly three full games without punting the ball. And so yeah. you're telling me if you're Sean McDermott, another guy who is very aggressive, that you're going to just give up on three very convertible situations. I think it was four, the first one might have been four yards, the second one was three yards inside the 10, uh, and, and you're going to kick field goals, leave eight points up on the board if you convert, which is all, all in all very likely considering the uh, different you know schemes that you can drop and the fact that you have Stefan Diggs. Um, I thought the Bills were, and, and this is Josh Allen included, I think it was kind of all the way around the board. There was, there was a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of yeah, tenseness big time. in the way that they played and the way that the game was coached. Um, And the chiefs were simply more the experienced team. And they showed that today.
1: Big time that this was, and you saw it early on. uh, It was a very Notre Dame way to start a game. And I, and I'm sorry to bring up Notre Dame, but you know, I know Notre Dame well Uh, and that is they're unprepared for the, or they're underprepared. I wouldn't say that they're unprepared, but they're underprepared for the stage that they're playing on. Uh, And when they, come to the realization of what's going on they're hyper they're they're hyped up their their heart is beating out of their chest and they're not playing their game and josh allen love josh allen and i know that the game dictates what he does and and when he sees the lane open up power to him josh allen throwing for 200 and i know that he threw the 50-yard bomb to uh whoever at the end after the onside
0: kick uh, Diggs. i think Diggs, it was, was it? Diggs, yeah i yeah. think it was Diggs. yeah you're
1: right um but 200 hovering around 200 yards passing and 88 yard and 88 yards rushing is not josh allen and that mm. is not the bill's offense that is not brian dable so there was disappointment but also a certain sense of empathy from me in that's not their game but it's mostly because of the stage that they're on And we still kind of got the sense that they're going to be, if they're not already this force to be reckoned with in the AFC and and the chiefs are what we always have kind of pictured as the Patriots. They are that echelon above everybody else, but the bills are like that are, you can almost consider them the Ravens of those Mm -hmm. years where the Ravens would sneak in there or the, or the the Steelers would sneak in there because they have a gritty quarterback who can sling the ball like hell. And they have a defense that needs to be built up a little bit more going forward, uh, but, but grew and became a more cohesive unit throughout the year. Uh, they are a team that will certainly provide us with a lot of smiles and be a lot of fun in the playoffs for a few years to come here, too.
0: Yeah. And it's not even to say that their, their window is, is far from close. I mean, no. I agree with you a thousand percent. The chiefs are a step above everybody yeah. in the AFC, but you go into this off season, uh, you know, if, if the defense comes back stronger, if they find, and I think that the loss of Zach Moss is not talked about a ton, but I think no. that heavily affected the way that the bills had to run with the ball. They, they barely ran it at all against the Ravens. They tried to get it going here against the chiefs, but the run game has been an issue. And that's why, they've sort of relied on Josh Allen to be their run game, uh, but also the pass game too. Um I, I, I thought this was a great game plan that the chiefs had for, for Josh Allen, even though he ran, you know, over 10 yards of carry, they were, they were not going to be beat deep. And it seemed no. like every shot they took, there was a guy or two. They were, they were doubling on most of these shots. And, and I, I think it all worked out. They said, you know, Josh will let you run as much as you want, as far as you want, but you're not gonna, you're not going to beat us on these, on these chunk plays.
1: And, and that's, to, bring, to kind of go back to the Notre Dame thing that I was getting at, you kind of made me think of this just now. Uh, something that Tom Fernelli tweeted out during I think the I think it was the Notre Dame, Alabama game is that what people don't realize is that Notre Dame is even when they're getting spanked in front of a national audience by Alabama or Clemson, which has happened now uh, twice in the college football playoff and then if you want to add in the third, which would be the BCS title in 2012 or 2013 um that game in in those games when Illinois is out of sorts, they get blown out, whatever, the the thing that it boils down to is that those teams are so, so good that Notre Dame was still the fourth best team in the country and they mm-hmm. should have been ranked there even after that loss. And I know that AM moved up into that four seed later, but Notre Dame was in the playoff for a reason, but Alabama and Clemson are on that different level then, anybody else uh and and it alters from year to year but alabama this year was so far above everybody else yeah um that it just was such a that you can absolutely compare that to what we saw tonight the buffalo bills are one of the four best teams in the nfl but the chiefs are so damn good at Mm -hmm. this game and patrick mahomes is so damn good at the quarterback position and Andy Reid coaches a hell of a game. And Eric Bieniemy coaches a hell of a game. Uh, Steve Spagnola or Spagn- whatever coaches a hell of a game, coached a hell of a game, put up a hell of a scheme tonight against Josh Allen, uh, forcing him to run the ball or throw it short to Dawson Knox and Cole Beasley. And then you even mentioned the whole part about the, uh, about punting. Uh, their special teams unit is excellent too. Dave yeah. Tobe. Has been this guy who's mentioned in every head coaching search and never gets the job. He's a guy who will get a job because Andy Reid has done such an excellent job of kind of allowing Dave Tobe to to rein that in all himself. And it helps having Nicole Hardman and it helps having Tyreek Hill. Absolutely. But they do it well. They do everything by the book and everything well. So uh That's why, kind of looking forward to two weeks. Is this is this Alabama Clemson from a few years ago, where it's a heavyweight title fight, or is this Alabama Clemson from literally two years ago, when it was, hey, this is going to be a great game, and then Clemson just trampled them, and it was not even close. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited. So
0: yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good thing. Uh, The one thing I will say, we saw a little bit of Josh Allen's youth a little bit of his yeah. inexperience because you know in, in an experienced veteran quarterback is saying look i'm gonna take these short throws i'm gonna beat you all night long over the middle five eight ten yards and then when the time's right when you've sucked down deep enough because we keep gashing you for these short little passes i'm gonna take a deep shot you know and and part of what makes josh allen special is he doesn't go down on first contact he's able to no. absorb some of these hits but we see the negative side of that tonight where he's taking 20 yard sacks, you know, I mean, if Tyler Bass doesn't have a leg on him uh, then, you know, they, they may get pushed out of field goal range on that uh, on that, that final kick. But I mean, I I think it's something that that Aaron Rodgers had to learn throughout his career when to throw the ball away and, and when to take off and, and when that's possible. And, you know, some of these plays don't happen if he's just willing to go down or if he's just willing to, to throw the ball um, away, or if he's willing to, you know, escape with his legs a little earlier, but yep. Risk, it's, a, it's a risk reward thing, you know, and I, and I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Absolutely. I mean, what we've seen for, and he's probably going to get another year, Brian Dable, at least uh, because it, it looks like the coaching cycle is, is all but over. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, I mean, yeah, this, there, there, are a, there are a few holes on this Buffalo Bills team, but they have a franchise altering quarterback, a guy who's going to be the top five quarterback in the league, I think, very soon. Uh, he's right on the edge of it. Um, and there's a lot to love in Buffalo. You know, you just ran into yeah. what was a generational quarterback with two generational pass catching weapons on his side. And, and they're tough to beat. And they showed that tonight. Um, credit to them, but also credit to Buffalo. I mean, if, if not to brag. There were so many up.
1: people. Yeah, I, I, I think what needs to kind of be said is that there was still a ton of confidence in people throughout the game, even when they were down and especially before the game. Uh, started that Buffalo could win this game, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a testament to how good Buffalo really is this year. That if anybody can beat the Chiefs, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills, and it just didn't happen tonight.
0: Yeah, I will say, beginning of the year, one of the one of the few things I got right, it was a, a Bills Chiefs uh, AFC Championship yeah. game. So I'm good gonna for you. I'm gonna slap that on my trophy shelf right next to my Browns eleven and five Kevin Stefanski Coach of the Year mantle. Um, we're going to ignore the Steelers eight and eight pick. We're going to ignore, um, the Saints Super Bowl pick, all of that, everything else.
1: And um, you gave that pick on the campus cover too, uh, every Friday. That's right. Anywhere that you find podcasts and you can follow us <laughs> at the campus cover on Twitter too.
0: I, I you're right. I should have led with that. I'm sorry. I'll put it at the beginning. I'll, I'll tag you in the episode. We'll, we'll get the love out there. We'll get the love out there. Um, let's talk about before we move on to, cause we want to talk about a couple coaching hires, talk about Matt Stafford. In the offseason, what's the what's the target for these Packers and these bills? Um, What what are you going after, whether in the draft, whether in free agency, what's an area of need that we kind of saw exposed in the playoffs by both these teams?
1: All right. Well, I like Mike Patton and I like Leslie Frazier, but they could certainly use some help on defense. And I I think what we're going to see the Packers kind of do here uh, is that they need to protect Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be 38 next year. Uh, and he looked as healthy as ever this year and he was able to stay healthy all year. Uh, but if David Bakhtiari, because he was injured at the end of the, the tail end of the year uh, heading into the playoffs, if he's going to miss any significant time uh, training camp wise, regular season wise next year, that's something to keep an eye out for, especially in free agency or in the draft, likely the draft from them. Uh, and you got to get Aaron Rodgers some help uh, to catch the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we saw it with, Equinemius St. Brown dropping that, uh, that, that two-point conversion earlier tonight, but that was kind of a microcosm of Equinemius St. Brown's whole season. Uh, he, he was notorious for drops, and there were games where, man, you wanted to think that he was coming around, but at the end of the day that he, he does not have good enough hands to be a relied-upon third or fourth receiver. And, and I think Alan Lazard is really good or Lazard is really good. And I think, uh, MVS is decent. Yeah. Uh, gets a lot of screen time, especially when they're covering DeWante Adams as hard as they are. Uh, but if you can get him a significant wide receiver too, then you're sitting pretty with Aaron Rodgers again next year. Uh, but for both teams, you got to add to the defense. You really yeah. do.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and the one thing I would tack on probably is a, a running back for Buffalo. I don't know if Devin Singletary and Zach Moss is enough. Maybe it's worth going after, you know, a a, a Naja Harris, a Trevor Etienne, or even one of the North Carolina running backs. I think either of those guys are very, very capable of, of changing the run game. Um, But yeah, ultimately you're right. And it's not much, right? These teams made it to the conference championship, the Packers, it was their second year in a row. Um, So you've got to figure out what gets you over the hump because you can't expect 48 touchdowns, five interceptions from Aaron Rodgers every year. Nope. Um, and, and you you, know, you want to get to a Super Bowl, right? Aaron Rodgers wants to get to a Super Bowl. The city of Green Bay, the state of Wisconsin wants to get to a Super Bowl. Um, so you really got to figure out what gets us there. Um, yep. So not, not, not a ton of changes, just a, a little, a little uh, plastic surgery on the defense for both teams. And, and they're you know, right back where they were last year. Uh, all right, we've got a couple of things to talk about before we go. Um, any thoughts on some of these coaching hires we talked a a little bit about the bulk of them most of which have been done um, last week but we've got two this week Dan Campbell and Nick Sirianni but any thoughts on the on the previous guys any fits you like don't like any sort of thing
1: Uh, honestly my favorite one here so far this offseason is Nick Sirianni Uh, I I think that Colts offense was so was schemed so well and anybody that's learning from Frank Reich I'm going to trust uh, and I've had this conversation with you. Maybe I'm overhyping him. Frank Reich is one of my favorite coaches, if not my favorite coach in the NFL. I would do anything to have him leading the Bears. Uh, that said, Nick Sirianni is a nice is a nice number two uh, to come in and go into Philly and kind of whip them into shape and, and kind of change that culture because uh, I think after Doug Peterson won that world that World Series, won that Super Bowl. Uh, it kind of shifted from what do we have to accomplish to look at what we've already accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you can't have that sense of complacency. And I, and that's why I love the hire from Indianapolis, uh, Dan Campbell, not a huge fan of urban Meyer. I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out. Not a huge fan of it at the end of the day, especially with Daryl Bevel going down to be the OC down there. Um, who else? Who am
0: I missing? Oh, uh, Robert Sala to the Jets.
1: Robert Sala, love, and and I think that we're going to see, uh, and, and we've kind of seen Leslie Frazier's name thrown into a few head coaching uh, job mixes, uh, with how this league has zagged towards the offensive coach, uh, and and I mentioned it earlier with the with the coaches that are cut from the same cloth as Sean McVay, the young prototypical coach, McSorleyani kind of fits that bill as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way to supplant that is by hiring your Brandon Staley's and your Robert Sala's that are going to be the only defenses, and that's Vic Fangio's defense from really both of those guys, uh, at least a little bit, I think, with Salah, uh, but I know for sure with Staley, um, is that those are the only defenses that can stop these new offenses. Sean McVay said it himself. The reason why he loved Brandon Staley bringing him in is because he's the guy – that are cuz he was the underling he was Vic Fangio's guy and mm-hmm. Vic Fangio is the only guy who has ever given Sean McVay a headache in that situation uh so look out cuz i think we're going to start seeing more and more defensive coaches kick in uh but we are finally getting to that point where there's going to come a time when it seems like every team just has a really good coach cuz so many are just popping up as these great coordinators right now. So I love Nick Sirianni. He's my favorite hire, but Robert Sala and uh, Brandon Staley, certainly right behind him.
0: Yeah. And and it's very interesting because we've seen some of these guys, these former head coaches go back to the coordinator roles and really thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jack Del Rio turned Washington into a top five defense. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Leslie Frazier. He's done some good work with Buffalo. He had a bit of a down year this year, but, you know, in years past, it was defense that, that, that was really winning them games. Yeah. And so, you know, you see those guys go back to the roles. And, and now, you know, the, the whole mantra now, I think, is you'd rather hire a guy a year too early uh, than a year too late. Um, and that's kind of a, a big part of what makes this, this hiring spot special, right? The, the Dan Campbell one, um, I, it's very interesting because I like that Robert Sala one. Uh, because he comes with a lot of energy, you know, he, he, he revitalizes what's kind of a down franchise in New York, but Dan Campbell, I mean, comes with that energy revitalizes down franchise, but does He's he have the sure
1: same 2.0 to me? He yeah, is does he have the same sure track 2.0.
0: record? Like, no. you know, Robert Sala put together a, a mismatched defense and still made him a top 10 group in the league this year, dealing with some adversity. Um, and you look at, this is why I like Nick Sirianni. I mean, I love him Colts offensive coordinator. I wish he would have stayed. I was disappointed, you know, when I saw the news, cause I, it, it was just kind of a, I thought he was getting offers or I thought he was getting interviews. Wasn't going to get offers, but um, three straight years. He has three different quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phil Rivers. He, you know, Phil, everyone was saying Phil Rivers was done. Right. And he put together uh, nearly a single digit interception season um, through for, for, I think it was about 4,000 yards, you know, and, and, the Colts won 11 and five went to the playoffs and we're very close to beating a very good bills team. Um, so you, 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 you like a guy who can deal with some adversity and, and he's somebody who has gotten, you know, hasn't gotten some consistency since he's joined uh, Frank Reich's coaching staff. And on top of that, like you said, Frank Reich was what made Carson Wentz in the Philadelphia Eagles turn. You can't get him. It yep. is get the next best option. Um, so yeah, the Dan Campbell one was interesting. The press conference he, he had was also very interesting. Um, it just seems like a weird energy to me that doesn't, All that, time. That, yeah. that isn't going to go somewhere. Um, but good for them. I mean, there's still some, some optimism, um, but I think the Eagles did a really good job. And, and, for, and most importantly, he's a guy who is not going to cause problems in the front office. He's a guy who's going to put his head down. He's going to work. Yep. He's not going to set, you know, he's not going to get too big of a head and try to make these personnel moves, which got Doug Peterson kicked out of Philadelphia because he was more focused on who they were bringing in than coaching the guys that he had. Um, So, but speaking of the, the, speaking of the lions, and this is also another one of the reasons why I was a little bit uneasy about Dan Campbell is, is um, in his introductory press conference. I I didn't watch the video, but I read enough of highlights and, and I have a a little quote here. Um, This was before the Matthew Stafford news, which is what we're going to go to here. Um, He called Matthew Stafford a, a stud a team guy and one of the toughest quarterbacks you'll ever see and what is it just two three days after he says such nice things about a starting quarterback it becomes announced that they are shopping him yeah right they've
1: they've come to a mutual agreement that regardless of how it happens matt stafford will not be starting quarterback for the detroit lions next year
0: which is which is a huge mismanagement of whatever, the staff, the organization, because this is a franchise cornerstone guy. Like when you think about the Detroit Lions in 40 years, you're going to talk about Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, and I think Matthew Stafford, right? Sure. And, and so this is somebody who has kind of, you know, been been at the forefront of the Lions organization for over a decade, and now you're shipping them off. And I, d- I don't know enough of Dan Campbell to say like, yeah, let's buy in, this is a new system, You've now just made the rebuilding process a million times harder on yourself, because yeah. you have no serious leads on a quarterback, uh, and you're not in a great position to get one in the draft, right? Like, no. all all you know, all odds point to them getting maybe Trey Lance, a guy who a lot of scouts are saying, a lot of experts are saying, is a year or two away from starting. So unless you're going to be very aggressive in the um, free agent market, maybe go after you know a, a Jameis Winston or or whatever. But I, you know, there's no there's no clear direction at quarterback. And so now you're just kind of floundering and I don't, I, I do not like it. Um, it. It's very weird to me. I'm, I'm not sure if I agree with it at all.
1: Can I tell you where I think and would love it if Matt Stafford went
0: by all means, please tell me. Cause
1: I think you're going to love it too.
0: Yeah. I think how so.
1: much, how much of a terrific present, wrap it and put a bow right on top for have has frank reich announced a new offensive coordinator
0: yet uh yeah our quarterbacks coach got promoted
1: yeah got and i think it would be a tremendous toy for him to have matt stafford leading the indianapolis colts i will say they have the cap space they have the capital to get it done and that is what i would love to see
0: tell you what we not only have the capital to bring in matthew stafford if he wants we can go out and get his buddy kenny galladay and bring him in we can go out and get his mm. his rival Alan Robinson and bring him in to work with all
1: right way. all right all right all right all right all right all
0: right all right we've had <laughs> too far too far too yeah. far too far so yeah I mean nice to I go. I would I would absolutely love it. I mean he's inheriting a top ranked defense a great running game what might be a top ten running back in the NFL in Jonathan Taylor with the way he played down the stretch great offensive line pretty much nothing he had in Detroit um, he's getting in spades in Indianapolis and I yeah. think you know that's that's kind of going to be his main destinations. Matthew Stafford is get, is 32 not getting any younger. So if I'm him, my trade destinations really have to be Super Bowl bound teams, guys that are going to win the Super Bowl within the next three years because that's my window. So I think the Colts are a great a great fit. I think the 49ers would also be an interesting fit. Maybe a swap Jimmy G in a pick like a a third or a fourth for Matthew Stafford would be something. I certainly
1: would not mind playing Jimmy G twice a year.
0: Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, that's, especially with the the Detroit lions, uh, you know, offensive output that they have now. So it's, I, I think there's, there's a few spots where he would love to go. Maybe, maybe new England is interesting to him. Um, one, I think what... if you're
1: talking about a team that's going to win a championship in the next three years, I don't love New England for that purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and I think the reason why I love Indianapolis is because put Matt Stafford on that team and you have a team that is contending with the Kansas City Chiefs and with the Buffalo Bills year in, year out, game in, game out. And I, I think we said, or at least I said this year, I almost expected the Colts to go either 12 and four, or 13 and three. That is Far more attainable with a quarterback like Matt Stafford than Phil Rivers. And they were damn close to it this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was for me, it was, you know, if everything goes wrong, eight and eight, if everything goes right, 12 and four. And they went 11 and five, which, you know, so just yeah. about everything that could have gone right did. Um, but I think the big thing um, is go- actually, no, before I say that, I-, I agree with you. And I think that at the very least, no other roster moves made, if the Colts go after Matthew Stafford, they become at least as good as the Buffalo Bills. So tied for second in the AFC, notwithstanding draft picks, which Chris Ballard is pretty good at. uh, And the 60 million in additional free agency money we'll have after we uh, uh, go after Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that they are at least you can make a case for tied for second best team in the AFC. Yeah. Love it. I'm right there with you. The big thing is going to be compensation. I I think the Lions gave up any sort of leverage that they had considering that, you know, like you said, whatever happens they're not going inclusion. in yeah. they're not going into the season with Matthew Stafford as their quarterback. The wording was so confusing that when I first read it, I thought he was getting cut. So did like, I. I was, <laughs> I was like, like, "Oh my god, he's like, a free agent, let him go." Right, has to jump on this. Yeah. <laughs> it was
1: it was so crazy to me
0: cuz they mutually
1: agreed to part ways through the offseason. Was yeah. it was like dot 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 at some point in the next few days
0: yeah yeah so it was it was very it was very weird to me but now we got to talk about compensation what what does matthew stafford go for i think everything being equal i think he's a first round pick talent Mm -hmm. but that's not going to be the case teams are not going to be lining up saying we'll give a we'll give you a first round pick for a guy we do not want or you do not want uh so that part feels weird to me so what what are you thinking second third third round pick (laughs) I think it's going to take,
1: he's on the wrong side of 30. So he's been in the league. This will be his what? 11th or 12th year.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, Upcoming. Uh, Wrong side of 30. You're probably looking at a package of two picks between probably a second and a third, and then add in. Uh, a pick that probably like a sixth, and then you're going to need a player to supplant that with salary cap purposes as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that Indianapolis wouldn't necessarily need to do that. So maybe that's why uh, maybe an, an additional pick would make uh, Detroit even happier. Uh, however, probably just uh, throw away anybody in there, a corner, a backup linebacker, somebody off of that defense that Dan Campbell can think, we're going to turn him into a perennial pro bowler. So
0: yeah, yeah, he's going we, to bite somebody's kneecaps off. We will give Oh uh, my goodness. I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, we will give him um, Rocky scene. That's fine. I, will, I would be more than happy to get rid of him. Uh, All right. so <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. Book it. Um, look, this has been great, Patty. Always yeah, thank you. good time. Sorry always, for running long again. No, no, look, this is, this is great. It's always a great time to see you see your mitch trubisky jersey which we didn't even get to address at all a later episode um or for missed, sure, we'll, we'll dive almost into every
1: single game that he started uh, in his tenure so this is probably the last time anybody's going to see it it's a hundred dollars yeah. worth of kindling right behind me
0: no no there's he could always make his way back home at, at the very <laughs> at the very least you've got it for the memories you can you can you can when they trade for deshaun watson you can look in your your closet and say i remember you uh but Anyways, always a good time. We will, we will have to have you back on very soon because we're getting into draft season. Um, a lot more crazy free agent things are going to be happening. Uh, and, and we always love having you on. So thank you again, Patty, uh, thank as you. always.